0: So, have, uh, have you all noticed I preach about sin sometimes? <laughs> Evidently, the choir has, though they're laughing. Um, I have said before, I just I believe if you don't understand sin, you don't understand the world. And I really believe you don't understand yourself. But sin is not a, a word that is um, popular and uh, it's not something we like to think about much. So this may be an unpleasant question, but if you had to admit your secret sin, could you name it? I think most of us who have a conscience know. For some of us, it is um, that, that in our life that we have repented of how many times time after time after time after time i'm going to I'm going to stop being that way Lord forgive me forgive me this time and i promise i will stop and then somehow just reaches up and grabs a hold of us again and there we are For others of us, it is something that we have done in the past that uh, in that moment between being awake and being asleep, and you're not really sure which one you are, but you remember. And you wake up with what I call a full body shiver as you think about what it was. And you just think, I hope nobody, I hope nobody in my life today knows about that. I think we all have some sin that uh, we would prefer to ignore, prefer to forget, but somehow it stays with us one way or the other. Now, imagine that you are in the crowd when the scribe asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And I believe it starts as a, sort of a, an academic question. I, I mean, this is a sequence of stories where they're asking Jesus these tricks and they're trying to uh, put him in a position where he says something that will offend part of the listener's. And so I think it's kind of an academic question that that the scribe asks him, but I think anybody in the crowd who has this awareness of some sin in their life, the, the anxiety level begins to go up. I mean, what if Jesus names a commandment as the most important commandment that would speak to my sin? I mean, what if, what if I have known myself to be unfaithful? And Jesus says the most important commandment is adultery. Or what if I have swindled my siblings out of uh, the family estate and Jesus says that the most important commandment is thou shalt not steal. And we can begin to go through the list and we can think, you know, if if he says my sin, if he names my sin as the one that a commandment speaks to that is the most important, I don't know what I'm going to do. But his answer reminds me of a... uh, of a test I had in seminary. I had this uh, course that none of us could ever figure out why the tests were the way they were. And uh, I thought, this is a class I really got to make an A in. I just can't afford because the tests are unpredictable to not make an A. But there was a day where we had a test and I hadn't studied very much, and we came in. God love the professor. He said, All right, today, students. Um, I want you to give yourself a test and make up 10 questions and answer them. And that will be the test today. And I thought, oh my gosh, I've hit the trifecta today. I mean, I I can make up questions that I can answer. And I thought, I get a free pass. I'm going to make an A. And when Jesus says the most important commandment is to love God, with all your heart with all your mind with all your soul with all your strength i feel like i've gotten a free pass and i may have been holding my breath out of fear that jesus is going to name a commandment that is related to my secret sin and when he says love god i've got this sigh of relief like well i am so glad love god that's that is so much better than i was afraid of And then I start thinking, begins to dawn on me, what if I really love God? And that momentary sigh of relief that I had when I thought this was a free pass, I come to realize this may be worse than if he'd named a commandment. I mean, if he had said, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, I could have said, okay, I'll go to church for a few weeks until the guilt passes, and then I'll be fine. I could have found a way to get around whatever Jesus said. But when he says, love God, and I begin to think what loving God requires in my life, all of a sudden I realize I am up against it. If I love God with my whole being, which is what Jesus is describing, can I go on living the way I've been living? Can I go on valuing things that have no eternal value? Can I go on and pretend like Uh, My relationship to God is something that is a nice trinket to add on to my life if if I'm not busy with something else. If I'm not busy with something else, then I'll attend to my relationship to God. And we haven't even gotten to love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, in Luke, when this question is asked... The scribe, trying to justify himself, says, Who is my neighbor? And Jesus tells the story of the good Samaritan. And the neighbor is whoever is in front of you. Whoever is in front of you is the neighbor you're supposed to love as yourself. Not just people who dress like me. Not just people who have the same occupation I've got or the same socioeconomic class. But whoever is in front of me at that moment is my neighbor. And so if you think about the relationship of Samaritans to Jewish people, then there is no ethnic divide in who is my neighbor. There is no political divide in who is my neighbor. I am to love everybody who appears in front of me at any time, as I love myself. And all of a sudden, I wish Jesus had named a commandment. Because if I truly, truly love God, then there are certain things I must do and certain things I can't do anymore. And if I truly love my neighbor and understand who my neighbor is, there are certain ways I have to treat people. Martin Luther once said love God and do as you please. And that sounds like that free pass. Until you think what what could, what could I want to do if I love God? I mean, if I love my spouse, if I love my children, aren't there certain things I I can't do, and certain things I now must do, and if I love God, it's the same way. In a few moments, we're going to take communion together. And as we do, we take the elements that we think of as the the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And many of us, when we pray, thank God for our salvation, that Christ loved us enough to die for us. And we come to this moment of communion when we find ourselves drawn close to Christ in a way that we, it's difficult to explain, but it's different in these moments. We recognize that we truly do have a debt we cannot pay that Jesus Christ did something for us we cannot do for ourselves. And what love is owed because of that? How must I now live if I love Christ because of what Christ has done for me? Love God. Love Christ. Do as you please. Let's see what it pleases each of us to do.